I bid welcome to all of you as we come to this hour of worship today, especially if you are uh, visiting with us. We're glad to have you here. Hope that you will um, be back often to worship with us on many future occasions. It is good to look out and see some of our college students returning to the nest, flying back to the nest for part of the summer anyway. Glad to have you folks here with us. A couple of announcements to quickly call to your attention. One is, <clears throat> if you have not registered yet for the Saddle Ridge Ranch Vacation Bible School, uh, which will be held June 6 to 10 in the evenings, uh, 6 to 7.30, 7.45 p.m., uh, please see Katie Jeter or check in the back before you leave. Um, coming this summer for children, wonderful Wednesdays. All children, their parents, family, and friends, too, are invited to join Miss Katie for wonderful Wednesdays starting June 16th. So it's more than just children. Uh, please check the display board for more details. And a special church fun day is planned for Sunday, the 27th of June, uh, out at Lake Robinson for an afternoon of fun and delicious food and fellowship. More information will be forthcoming regarding that. We um, trust that everyone knows about some funeral schedules in the, in the next few days. Uh, Earl Hudson's funeral will be this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, last Sunday, if you were here, you saw that he had to get up and leave. He wasn't feeling well, and he called to apologize for that, and I said that uh, I certainly understood. He had told me before how uncomfortable his back would get sometimes. Um, so he was here his last Sunday on earth. So uh, we will be together today at 4 o'clock to remember him. And uh, tomorrow afternoon we will be gathering at 2 o'clock for the funeral of Virginia Waters. Uh, Virginia died on Friday evening uh, somewhat unexpectedly following a fall. So uh, that will be tomorrow at 2. Our thoughts and prayers also are with uh, Tony Hammond and his son Noah and others in the Hammond family following the death of uh, Tony's wife, Treva. So let us remember these folks in our prayers. Let us now worship God.
affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed found on page 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Here in our Old Testament lesson recorded in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 4, and then going down to verse 22 through 31. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city at the entrances, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. Then verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 8, which is uh, recorded on page 743, I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage together responsibly. <clears throat> o Lord, our Lord, how is your name in all the earth. Your glory is chanted above the heavens by the mouth of babes and infants. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, what are human beings that you're mindful of them? Yet you have made them little less than God. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands, all sheep and oxen the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea. 
O Lord, our Lord. Here now our epistle reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. O oh Lord, not only would we ask who are people that you would be mindful of us, but we would question our ability to comprehend and understand the mystery of Almighty God. Lord, we are thankful that you are above and beyond our ability to fully understand, but that you have revealed yourself to us that we might know enough. We look at this wonderful creation all around us and deep into space at the many worlds out there, and we, with our eyes of faith, see a craftsman who has been busy the creator who has been at work. But we're thankful that you're more than just our creator. Jesus told us to call you our father. Thank you, Lord, that you feel toward us as human parents feel toward their young and even more. And thank you that you gave us life and called us your children and claimed us as your own. And thank you for the special way that you came to us in Christ Jesus. We know that many great prophets came to proclaim your word. But somehow we see something unique in the life of Jesus. He embodied your presence in ways we have not seen in any other human being. We're thankful that we can look at Jesus and to see him and to know him is to know what the Father is like. And then we are grateful that in our daily lives, we experience your presence with us in ways that we cannot understand or explain. You're just here. Your spirit is with us. You give us strength at times that we did not know we would have. And indeed, we didn't have it. You gave it to us in that moment. We experience your guidance. We experience your renewing power. And so we celebrate the way you come to us in the Holy Spirit. And though we don't understand all these things, Lord, we're grateful for the fact that we know there is a oneness in the one God who cares for us in three wonderful ways. We pray that we would comprehend that in greater measure this morning and that it would enrich our lives in some wonderful ways. We pray, Lord, that we might go from this place this week to live in such a way that invites others to know your parental love, to live in such a way that invites others to know your saving grace offered through Jesus Christ, and to live in such a way that that shows people that they might be empowered by your spirit to live every day of their lives following the example of Christ. Lord, we bring into your loving care those who need your strength this day. To those who are sick, we pray for your healing. For those who are grieving, may they know your comfort. 
For those who are struggling in life, may they find one to shepherd them all the days of their lives. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
The gospel lesson is from John 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus is speaking and he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from, taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Here ends the lesson. Summer coming means, among other things, the start of summer reruns on television. Now you can catch up with your television watching, seeing those programs which probably were not worth seeing in the first place. I suppose summer reruns is an acknowledgement of the fact that there's only so many new ideas that television writers can have during one year. They run out of ideas and need to regroup, and so you get to see reruns every year. Well, guess what? There are only so many ideas that we preachers can come up with to explain certain concepts. And after six years, I've exhausted most of my ideas to share with you about the Trinity. And unfortunately for you, it doesn't look like Bishop Taylor is going to offer you any relief because she seems intent on reappointing me to memorial for a seventh year. Uh, that's a, a shameful, shameless plug on my part. I'm glad to be coming back for another year. I've never been anywhere seven years. I won't know how to behave. But about the best that I can do for you today is to serve you some warmed over leftovers, old ideas that, that I've already expressed to you before, but maybe we can still learn something new about the Holy Trinity. The question to begin with is, how in the world did the church get to the place where it became necessary for it to put together something as cumbersome as the doctrine of the Trinity? Of course, the first Christians were monotheists. They believed in the existence of only one God. They came from that tradition which taught, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But things got complicated after Jesus arrived. Just who was this and who is this person, Jesus? Everything he did seemed to demonstrate that he was far more than just an ordinary human being. He came back from the dead. He brought others back from the dead. They referred to him as the Son of God but if God had an offspring, doesn't that automatically make two gods? And how do we go into the world to proclaim that we believe that Jesus was God on earth, but that he prayed to God in heaven without sounding like that we believe in two gods? That was one of the criticisms of Christianity that came from 
our Hebrew cousins back in the beginning of our faith? What about Jesus' nature? Was he a human being or was he a divine being or a hybrid of some kind? If I had a chalkboard right here and I drew a line across the middle of that chalkboard and above that line I wrote the word creator and below the line I wrote the word creation, where would I put Jesus? Does he belong up here in the realm of the eternal creator or does he belong down here with us and with everything else? that was made by God. Is Jesus creator or created? Was he a human being who was elevated by God to the status of divinity, perhaps at his baptism? Or was Jesus some kind of divine apparition, a ghost who only appeared to be human when he was here among us? And exactly who is this Holy Spirit And is the Holy Spirit different from the spirit of Jesus that Luke wrote about in the book of Acts? Does the spirit come to us from God or from Jesus or from both of them? And how are they all related? Do we believe in one God or three? And is there a boss among them? Is the father the boss and Jesus the second in command? Now these questions plagued the early church. They led to literal knockdown, drag out fights between church leaders. You think we've had some ugly conflicts in recent history in, in America as church people have argued about various and sundry issues. It was plumb nasty back in those days. People uh, excommunicated one another and threw up one another out of the various churches And after the Roman Emperor Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the empire, he saw that the church was going to tear his empire apart. He was a shrewd politician, more than a religious person. And so he thought he he could bring peace to his empire by bringing peace to the church. And so he paid for a number of meetings that met throughout the fourth century as people began to wrestle with these issues and come to some conclusion. What ultimately emerged from all of these fights and meetings was what we refer to as our doctrine of the Trinity. Now, if you search your Bibles, you won't find that word Trinity anywhere. And you won't find the doctrine of the Trinity anywhere spelled out. But what you will see are passages like we had today in Romans and in Luke, or in, in John, um, where it talks about, where was our passage today? It was from John, what, there we go. Where you see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, together being referred to there. Plenty of references of that. The irony is that one of the very foundational doc- doctrines of the Christian faith is nowhere to be found in the Bible. And even those churches that insist that they believe quite literally every word in the Bible and that they don't believe it unless it is in the Bible, those are also ardent followers of the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is important because it preserves a belief in one God. 
monotheism, while also affirming the belief that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are also part of that divine realm on my chalkboard. They are divine and co-eternal. And there isn't a boss, neither did the one God somehow create the Son and the Holy Spirit or divide himself in any one way. The belief is that God has always been a triune God. That from the very beginning of eternity, isn't that a dumb statement? How can there be a beginning of eternity? If there was such a thing, from the very beginning, there was the uniquely begotten Son of God and a father-son relationship and the Spirit one with them from the very beginning, one God. Are you confused yet? Join the club. The Trinity is something that we profess without any complete understanding and we don't claim to understand it. But then again, we human beings would consider ourselves or be considered complete fools if we thought we could ever completely understand God. No matter what words you use in trying to comprehend and explain the Trinity, it's nearly impossible to say anything without stumbling into heresy and tripping over your own words. One of the wisest things a professor in seminary ever said to me was that we need to remember that our theology, our system of beliefs, has much more in common with art than it does with mathematics. You know, in mathematics, the great thing about math is you can build theorems and pile them one on top of the other, and they branch out and they stay perfectly logical all the way. Well, life isn't very logical. Life doesn't stack up like that. It's very illogical. And faith is a part of life, and God is part of life, and so it doesn't fit in so neatly with our logic. And so maybe artists with their paintings come closer to capturing the truth about what God is like. I find it helpful to think of some analogies to help me understand the Trinity more so than words. Some people think about uh, three-dimensional objects, things that have height and width and depth, three different dimensions and yet they're one object. We think about symbols like um, triangles being ways to imagine that there is one God with three different parts or three different faces. Another al analogy that I think is helpful is, um, is the idea of an egg. An egg is made up of three parts. It is a shell, a yolk, and it's egg white. And sometimes I get all three in my fried egg sandwich at the Waffle House. Water is another good symbol to help us understand the Trinity. We all depend upon water and we love it this time of year when it's hot outside. Nothing as refreshing as that liquid water. But I also like to put it under a flame and boil it for my coffee. And if I go too long with that, it disappears entirely. Water becomes steam and it's there in the room with me still, but I can't see it. It's all around me in the form of humidity. And then the clouds are nothing more than, than that steam that gathers in the air. And when they, when they cool down enough, the moisture rains back down on the earth. 
and we see that there is two forms of, of water right there. And then you can take that liquid ingredient water and put it in your freezer and it turns into wonderfully refreshing chunks of ice. Same substance and yet a third form. Hard as a rock, as I learned when I used to throw them at my sister. So you've got the same substance in three forms, ice, water, and water vapor. That's helpful, I think. Another helpful analogy that I have found is to consider our human relationships. Perhaps the three persons in the one Godhead are distinguished only by the fact that there are three different ways that God relates to us as a father, as a brother, and as a present spirit with us. Now, I am the father of two children and only two children. I say that because some people say the strangest things to preachers as we shake hands at the back of the church on Sunday mornings. When Hillary was a baby and a toddler, she looked very much like me. I know that you're grateful as she is that she outgrew that. But on one Sunday morning when I was holding her at the back door, a lady came out and shook my hand and said, my goodness, that's one baby that Arthur can never deny being the father of. Penny was standing right there and she said, how many is he denying? There is a way that I relate to John and Hillary that is different from the way I relate to anybody else on the planet. Only two children get my attention when they call out, Daddy, and I know their voices. But I've also been a son. Harden and Caroline Holt cooperated with God to give life to me. And I related to them in a unique way that's very different from the way that I relate to my own children. I am yet another different person as I relate to Penny, my partner in life, who from time to time allows me to feel almost equal to her. <laughs> I relate to her in yet another unique way, one that is different from the way I relate to my children and that I related to my parents. How I relate to my friends is still a fourth way that I am involved in relationships, and so maybe I am a quadratarian being and not a trinitarian for I have different ways of relating to people. The point is that God is in three distinct loving relationships with us. God is the Father who gave us life. God is our elder brother who has defended us against sin and death and the devil and who has won our freedom from those enemies. And God is our most intimate companion one who lives inside of us in our spirits, giving us the power to live for Christ. God is three, and yet God is one. I would like us to look at what the church finally came up with to express the mystery of the Trinity. It is recorded in your hymnal on page 880. It is the Nicene Creed because it was put together by the Council of Nicaea. I'd like to invite you to stand. This will be a second affirmation of faith today, but I would like us to share it together as a way of entering into the mystery of the Trinity as we share together this as an affirmation of faith. Would you please stand as you're able? We believe in one God, the Father, 
the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. Amen. Thank you. Let's remain standing as we sing our closing hymn.